have a seat if you haven't already. We, um, we made some bold proclamations. If you're new with us, welcome. It's a big deal to us that you would join us today at our 11 o'clock service. We started this series, FOMO, the week after Easter, fear of missing out. We made some, some bold proclamations about God working specifically in this series, and we've seen that be true in the last three, four weeks. Uh, we've been talking a lot about deception and how the enemy from the very beginning, all of us are, are susceptible, vulnerable to deception. That's his favorite. That's what he's best at. Our enemy is to deceive, and we need each other. We need the Holy Spirit um, to recognize, to be aware, and it changes our lives once you realize um, that deception is real and that we're all vulnerable and how a church should be in partnership with each other to fight the deception that comes. So we made some bold proclamations, like I said, and, and we're seeing God just work. He's working it out constantly and beautifully. I could, if it was up to me, I'd preach out of that song every single week. Um, but today... We're still in FOMO, fear of missing out, but it's a different, we're taking a different route um, than where we've been. And church, if you saw me, I posted this yesterday. Um, This message has such potential to transform uh, our church, our lives, how we live. See, and we're gonna gonna have to deal with microphone stuff because that's how big this is. If, um, we'll go with it. If it keeps cutting out, then just bring me a handheld and we'll go old school. Now the difference, if I preach with a handheld, like that's at least two hours. So just so you know, that's, that's a different, that's a different, that's an alter ego of, of myself. So today we're talking about one thing and this thing is so potentially transformative to our church, to your life, to how you live day to day. And this thing that I'm about to tell you, I'm not going to tease it out all night, all day, it's something that we, we don't preach on enough. We don't, I don't know if we really, let me say it for me, I don't know how well I, through my Christian life, have really understood this thing. And this thing is rest. Mm, some moans and some groans about rest. And it's bigger than rest. It's, we'll also get to this word Sabbath and what that looks like in a second, but we're not talking about, you know, we're not trying to get, um, you know, uh, we're not trying to like start this uh, social media hashtag, see how many naps we can take as a church. It's not about, it's not about hours slept, right? It's, it's much deeper and better than that. Here's what it's about. Let me just start with Jesus' words because what, what, what could be better than that? Do you know this Jesus that said in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? We, we, we have such a complicated culture in, in, in contrast to the first century where you didn't, you didn't talk or follow Jesus unless you meant it because there's a lot you could lose. And it's just complicated in our culture of what, um, you know, Jesus, who he really is. And there's so many people that, that, have, that have rejected a Jesus that isn't real. Like Jesus would actually reject the Jesus they have rejected, right? The real Jesus. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know the Jesus that said, hey, you're weary, you're burdened? Come to me. Not so I can make you feel guilty for being weary and burdened. No, that's who I, come to me. I'm, I'm, I know how I made you. I know you and I'm gonna help your soul. Like I want all of that stuff that's wearing you down, bring it. I Come to me and I'll help you 
rest. Right, it's beautiful, and it's built into that as the gospel. We're a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. Our multi-ethnicity and our forever-focusedness flows out of the gospel. The gospel is the incredible news of our rescue and adoption. When you really understand that the God of the universe knows my name, sent Jesus, died for my sins, rose from the dead, he rescued me for a reason to adopt me into his family. He knows me. He loves me as a plan for me on this life and the next. When you know all that, you can rest. When you're living out of religion and performance and measuring up, there's not much rest that comes with that. And connected to rest is this enormous word in scripture that we, that we call Sabbath, right? And, and Sabbath can mean a lot of things and, and there's been a lot of research done. We're gonna borrow from several things. Here's how we're gonna define Sabbath. This is important for your life. Uh, Sabbath meaning an inten- intentional rest, as an act of worship or faith for the purpose of refreshing your soul, right? So it's intentional, it's not, I'm so tired I fell asleep and I didn't mean to, right? I just never understood what my dad must do all day that 10 minutes into his chair every single night, he's out, right? He, doesn't, he wasn't trying to, he wasn't a scheduled nap, but it's because, you know, he got up really early and worked really hard 12-hour days, and as a kid, I didn't, I was like, man, is, is he sick? Is he okay? As soon as those feet went up, he's gone, right? Now, sometimes, <laughs> right? That's not, this is intentional. I am planning in advance to rest, and it's not binging Netflix, right? That's a whole different conversation, right? But, but if you binge a show, I, maybe I'm doing it wrong. I've never binged a show, and the result of that was I feel just replenished in my soul, right? Maybe I'm watching the wrong shows. Have you figured that out? It's not, it's not that. It's much, much bigger and better. It is intentional, planned, sacrificial rest as an act of worship and trust to our God that does result in soul being refreshed. I, I think we struggle. I'm confident we struggle on how to do that. And before we get to the how, let's get a little bit of background of understanding like where, where this came from, this idea of Sabbath. It goes all the way back. We've been in Genesis the last few weeks. It goes all the way back to the beginning. It's, it's after um, Joseph died and, and the Israelites get enslaved by Egypt. And it's in that moment, um, in that slavery that, that God sends Moses to say, let my people go and they're coming from an environment where they've been oppressed and enslaved and abused and worked and beat and gotten paid nothing for 400 years. God releases and frees them. It's, it's foreshadowing of the freedom that Jesus is gonna win for us by, by freeing us from the slavery of sin, death, and hell. So he frees them from the Egyptians and he brings them out eventually to the promised land and he sets up this new culture, this new nation, this new everything. And in that, he said, here's how I want culture to go among my people. I'm starting a nation. And he gives them all these parameters and, and he also gives them what we know now as the 10 commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, the longest commandment is the fourth commandment. And I think we forget sometimes that, you know, idols is a few commandments before this one, and don't murder is a few commandments after this one. And somehow, at least me, maybe not you, like I skip right over this one, and it's, it's heavy and deep and beautiful. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, your son, your daughter, your happy, your pappy, your grandmammy, none of them don't work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, 
and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Therefore, because God, why did God rest? Because he was tired. Imagine zebras, like that's gotta be hard, right? It's not because he was tired. He rested as an example, as a gift to give us rest, to model what he called us to do because he knows how we're wired and he made it a command, right? I, I think if, if you came in here today with a physical idol, like some crazy idol and you put it up on the stage, you're like, hey, y'all, while y'all are singing, I'm just gonna bow down to my idol, right? We would have to have a conversation with you, right? If you came in here and you're like, the other commandment I mentioned, yeah, I'm really struggling, like, yeah, let's pray with you, what's going on? He's like, well, I just, I keep murdering people, right? <laughs> We're gonna have to have a hard conversation, right? But if you come in here and you say, yeah, I'm just not resting, we're gonna say, join the crowd. We, we, don't, we don't view this as, we, we gotta learn first to view rest as a command, not a suggestion. It's a command from God, and it's connected to those words. When Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest, for him to give you the rest that you were created to have, you've got to trust him and come to him. And part of that rest is Sabbath. Even though it's different than it was, you know, in the Israelite state, there's still a call to come and live in a rhythm of rest. Why don't we do that? Why don't I do that? Right, I, I, I don't know if you ever heard this phrase. Somebody said it to me years ago, said, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Right, what does that mean? It means rust out is what, 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 is, what causes rust when something sits around and does nothing, right? So, so in conversations in my world, sometimes with pastors, when somebody, usually a spouse or a leader or a loved one says, hey, you need to slow down, right? That's the response. Well, I'm not gonna slow down because we got one shot at this life. In my world, it's like, hey, we're doing something pretty important. People's lives are on the line. Like we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm a, I'd rather burn out, which means I'd rather go too fast and crash and burn in the end than sit around and do nothing and rust out. And who wouldn't if those are the only two options? That's the lie of the enemy that our options are either burn out or rust out. Well, that's an easy choice. Let's burn out. But that's not the only two options. God did not call us to burn out or rust out. Why do we have such a reaction? Why are we like, I'm gonna, well, here's why. Some of us, it's a good thing. Some of you were raised by grandparents, parents, aunt and uncle, and you were raised, and this isn't a bad thing, with such a beautiful work ethic that the very worst thing somebody could say to you is the L word. I don't even want to say it because some of you will get all. If somebody called you lazy, oh, there's just nothing worse in your life that you could be called. Right? And you're, you're, you're on some firm ground there. The, the scriptures speak against laziness. God is not pro-lazy. He's pro-rest. And somehow we've got lazy and rest get in the same bucket and now we're scared of rest because it feels lazy. And God condemns lazy, but he commands rest. You've got to pull those apart. They have nothing nothing to do with each other, right? We're not, as a church, this momentous day, we're not trying to turn the page and live this reverse Sabbath, like let's work one day and do nothing six. That's not what he's calling us to. He wants us to live, here's the, here's the rhythm we have in America, a lot of us, maybe not you. Work, 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 vacation. Work, 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 vacation. 
right? And some of the way we vacation is more exhausting than work, right? You've heard people say, I need a vacation for my vacation, right? So that's a, and God made you to not, I'm not anti-vacation at all, but our rhythm is not supposed to be once or twice a year or whatever, you get vacation. Or the, the, what he designed you for is work, 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 Sabbath. Work, Sabbath, like in a, not every few months, but actually every week. Jesus talked about Sabbath. He lived in response. He, he honored the Sabbath. He, he preached on the Sabbath. He got in a lot of trouble because here's what happened. That was such a strong command. Like you, you read it with me a second ago. Like he's saying, make it holy. So, so a lot of religious guys through the years said, hey, we gotta honor the Sabbath. So we're gonna make all these extra rules to make sure nobody does anything that could be perceived as work on the Sabbath. And then through the years, you know, we're so blessed today because you can, you can fact check me. Does scripture really say that? There was many centuries where the people didn't know what scripture actually said. They just had to take somebody's word for it. It wasn't translated and all these things. So in all those years, they started, and, and leading up to Jesus and after Jesus even, they started putting extra stuff on the Sabbath, but then telling the people what God said. God didn't say, we read what God said, but they put all the extra on it. And then people didn't know the difference. So then there became like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules on Sabbath that God never said that people said. So Jesus walked into that environment and he ignored, like he did not care what man, like he just walked all over those. He did things and they got so mad. In fact, we see in scripture, one of the first times they said, we're gonna have to kill this man is because of how he acted on the Sabbath. He was healing people. He was Eating stuff, they're like, oh, that's kind of like work because you had to pick the grain up. And he, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm hungry, the disciples are hungry, and we ate on the Sabbath. You don't get it. And he said this beautiful verse that matters today, Mark 2, 27. He said, in response, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's freeing, church, right? The, 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 the Sabbath was made for you. It serves you. You are not a slave to the Sabbath. A Sabbath is a gift to bless your life. Not, nothing stopped when Jesus came. You were still humans created by God, and the Sabbath is a gift to us. But even when I prepare, even when I have conversations, even when I preach, and we get all like, oh, Sabbath, because we know deep down we're not really doing that. So what does it look like for us today? Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It's not legalistic, meaning I'm gonna give you a bunch of rules today. Here's what Relentless Church is gonna start doing. This Friday night at 7 p.m., I want all of you, no. Like that's, that's not the spirit of the Sabbath is a gift to us from God. And it's culturally, we gotta figure out your family, my family, your life, your dorm, your roommate, like you gotta figure out what this looks like. I just know that we struggle. We did a series um, three years ago, maybe, called Cool It Now. And it was a series about slowing down. And we called it Cool It Now because we just, we used that song from New Edition, if you, if you know good music. That was, our, that was our bumper video. And side note, I'm super encouraged by the next uh, generation. Uh, my man's back there. I was, I was hanging out with this uh, precious couple that just got married in our church. And we were at a, um, you know, the rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding at a house and where music's on the playlist and, and New Edition comes on. And I'm thinking, you know, somebody maybe a little older than me must have gotten in charge of the playlist. And there's all these uh, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 year olds. Um, and that song comes on, New Edition starts playing and, and they start singing word for word. They know every word of New Edition, um, you know, almost 20 years younger than me. And I'm thinking, 
we're going to be okay, right? <laughs> this next year, because my generation was not that way. We, I did not want to listen to my parents' music in the car. There was no Spotify. That's part of the difference, right? My mom used to play this song. Some of you will know it. First Service liked it. I don't, it drove us nuts, and she played it more because she knew it drove us nuts. She'd play this record. Anybody remember the song? I don't know the name of the song, but the chorus was uh, that Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Right? Like, no, like, what are you talking about, Ma? Like, Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. Like, how is that even music? I had no interest. But this next generation, like, they just embrace everything. It's beautiful. Back to Cool It Now. What was that? It was, a, it was just a, it was a trick to use New Edition to get us to lean in because it was a hard series because it was a series about slowing down. Right? Cool It Now. Ooh, watch out. You're going to fall in love. It wasn't about that. Right? And it was... God worked. I mean, it was, it, was, it was truth. It was good. What we found, though, maybe more than any other series we've done, and y'all didn't do anything wrong, the follow-through of what God was calling some of us to do was really hard. The change, right? It wasn't about, oh, that was a good message. The change that he was calling us to Monday Man, we were so entrenched and maybe still so entrenched with our pace and the way we are used to living, it was really hard to carry through some of what God was teaching. Now, if you've been with us in the series, you're thinking, wait a second, this doesn't sound like FOMO at all. This is still very much fear of missing out. What's the fear? Well, there's a lot, right? There's a lot of fears that I will never have time to talk about through the room as we talk about why Maybe you specifically struggle to rest. I don't know. Here's what I know. There's a big fear that has to do with trust because we are a productive society. When you produce, you get patted on the back. You get the raise. You get acknowledged. You get what? So when we produce, so by the nature of this truth, if you're resting, what are you not doing? You're not producing. So we're anti-rest. And God says that's a trust issue. Right? Remember, they were an agricultural society in the, the Israelites, so which is farming, which means if you don't work, you don't have food for your family. So I got to work to feed my family. And he's telling me one day a week, I've got to not work. Well, how am I going to eat? I've got to do extra. I've got to work. I've got to trust that God's going to provide enough food on day one through six that will last me all the way till day eight, because seven, I'm not allowed to it's a command, and they respected it, and culturally, they don't have what we have. We, we're, culture's working against us. They had a culture where it was normal to Sabbath, right? Uh, Kelly and I are getting better, my wife and I, but we, we are coming out of an addiction to Chick-fil-A in that we had, we had to go on Saturday, right? Because we can't get it on Sunday, right? So we got to build up our tolerance so we can get there till Monday, right? So this was, this was not Chick-fil-A. This was a trust in a God that provides... It's worship to say, I'm not going to work the ground for a whole day, and I'm going to trust that I'm still going to get food, that God's going to come through for that. And then he took it to another level with them. He said, on the seventh year, we don't have time to get in the 50th year, the Jubilee, oh, seven times seven every 50th year. But in the seventh year, every seventh year, they would not work the land, leave the land, let it replenish itself, which is proven over time, like that's good and healthy in farming. But that was God's idea, leave the land alone. Well, what are you supposed to do for a whole year? We don't have any food. You're supposed to plan in advance and trust that God will provide, and he did. But we're scared sometimes of missing out on what our work or the money it produces or whatever, or we're scared on what to do if I'm not working. Here's, 
here's the best way I can explain, because this, um, this is deep in me. I have, there's been different seasons in my life where I struggle with different things, and God is good, and he's working, and you find, this, this is a struggle that may be the longest. Like, I've been trying to figure this out my adult life to not much success, to be honest, right? And it goes back, sometimes it's fear in me, not you, in me, there's an arrogance in it, right? When I was 21 years old, uh, adulting, I know it's graduation season, so I just taken my first job, I was married, Kelly and I had just moved to a new place in a new church, and we're on our own for the first time, and there's so much awesome things. You remember that feeling of like, I, I'm, I'm in charge of me. It was amazing, right? But then you also, the other side of that is you, like life, and I learned about like, there's tax on the car. I gotta play property, that's not property. I gotta pay tax on it. And part of the car maintenance was um, oil change, right? Which I knew about, but I didn't have my dad, you know, at this point, like, and somewhere in that, in conversations, when I found out, you know, oil change is another thing I don't wanna spend money on, I don't really know where this came from. I, most likely, I just pulled it out of thin air, I don't know. But I decided that because everybody's after money everywhere and everything's a sham and a scam on some level, that if the, if the manufacturer was saying my oil need to be changed every 5,000 miles, then logically it couldn't possibly be every 5,000 miles. Because whatever number they give, they're gonna shoot way low because then you, know, you have to do it more often and you have to pay more money and I'm not buying it and I'm not falling for it. So I'm gonna beat the system and I'm not gonna change my oil every, in some, some cars they say 3,000. I'm not gonna change it every 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. I'll wait, I'll do it every 6,000. Boom, 1,000 miles, pocket, all right? Smarter than y'all, right? And then I was like, you know what? If you can go 6,000, why not eight? Why not 10? Why not 12, right? Because they're just trying to milk me for money and as long as you change it every once in a while, and drive like, don't drive like a maniac, it'll be okay. And people laughed at me like some of you are laughing at me. And I argued with them. And I argued passionately and boldly and arrogantly. I know what I'm doing. You're falling for it and that's fine. You wanna keep going every 3,000 miles? <laughs> okay, you go do that. I'm gonna do it my way and my way is right. And I can prove it. Come get in my car. It drives fine. I can prove it because I don't have any issues. I'm not not changing my oil. I'm just changing it on my schedule because I'm not falling for that. And it was fine until it wasn't. Until that beautiful 1991 Pontiac Grand Prix. Just easing through an intersection one day and just started shaking and bouncing and popping and eventually the engine blew, <laughs> right? And... It was for maybe multiple reasons, but the main one was oil change. At the end of the day, I, who, I'm not a mechanic. Some of you know me, like, amen, right? I, I know, but I thought I knew more about my car than the people who made it. Sometimes. Why? And you can prove it and you can get uncomfortable in this message and you can go do nothing and I'm not gonna be mad at you. But you're gonna tell yourself some version of, I don't need to rest because I'm fine. Until you're not. And you do not have to look far 
on Facebook in any church that I know of to find people. It looks different, but they're blowing up inside, right? And I'm not saying that's all on this issue. There's a lot that goes into that, but I'm saying this is a major issue, a clear command. Old Testament, Jesus, New Testament, the Sabbath is a gift I'm giving to you. You were wired and created to rest and be in a rhythm of it, and you're not doing it, and I'm not punishing you. I'm telling you in advance, if you don't take care of this, it's not gonna go well. And we're reaping some of what we've sown. If you'd have told me when we did the Cool It Now series three years ago, if you'd have told me there's a pandemic coming, we just preached on slowing down and rest. If you'd have told me, I'd be like, you know what? I don't want that. I don't want all that comes with that. But maybe a good thing from that is we'll rest well because we don't have a choice, (laughs) right? We'll be stuck at home and we'll rest. I don't know how it went in your life, but I think, honestly, my mind, when I'm talking about rest, it's not always sleeping. It's just a peace. And a, I think my mind was less rested in the pandemic than any other period of my adult life. For me, I think I Sabbathed, if that's a verse or verb now, I think I Sabbathed worse in the pandemic than any other season of my life. Let me back up to pre-pandemic, 2019, it was summer. And I was, um, I remember exactly where I was. It was a Panera Bread right up the street at White Oak. And I was in my car, I was having a conversation with Dean Troon. Dean is my spiritual coach. I've known him for 20 years. Uh, He's been my spiritual coach where I talk to him every other week um, for eight, nine years. And he's uh, he's in his early 70s. He's just a dear man of God in my life. And um, we were talking on this day, summer of 2019, And he was discerning, he was noticing, I was just carrying some stuff. I was just heavy with with other people's pain, right? Which when you love people as y'all do and and they're going through stuff, it hurts, right? It's their pain, but it's your pain and that's biblical and right. Um, But it was, I don't know, it was just, it was a different kind of heaviness, so much so, which is very unusual for me in a phone call. Uh, As the older I get, the more I embrace emotion and know that that's a good thing, but um, that's not my norm. And I was a little emotional on the call and, and Dean's, you know, walking me through some things. And then he, he says, out of nowhere to me, he says, have you ever uh, thought about taking a sabbatical? And I was, that was an easy question. No, I haven't. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but I know I'm against it, right? Um, because in me, there was some stereotype with Sabbath, with rest, with sabbatical. Like that's, only, only two pastors do that. Lazy pastors or pastors got all kind of issues that I don't think I have, so, so no. And then he asked me this. He said, would you be willing to, to just seek God, just to pray about sabbatical? Um, which I hate it when he does that, because what am I supposed to say, right? No, I will not pray about that, right? So um, I said yes. So I began to pray and, and learn about sabbatical. I did not know then um, in 2019 what, what I know now, that the seeds that were planted in those prayers uh, we're going to blossom into what I'm announcing today, that I'm taking a sabbatical uh, this summer. Um, and I know that word can mean, okay, all right. The nine o'clock service booed. Um, just kidding, they didn't, they didn't. They were just dead quiet. Um, so I appreciate 
that. I know that word means a lot of things to a lot of people, but this is bigger than me and my story. It is very much connected to our church. And so I prayed those prayers 2019 and, and through studying and talking to other pastors and really understanding what sabbatical is and what Sabbath is, um, God moved me from scared to death to, um, man, this, this is necessary. Uh, this is a call. So my plan was, my plan, uh, fall of 2021, 2020, we're going to make this happen, right? Then the pandemic hit, and um, I, I, my hon- the honest truth is, like, I just put that in a drawer. I didn't even think about sabbatical. We were in a pandemic trying to figure out, you remember, how that was. So uh, sometime last year, late fall or early fall, you know, we were coming, getting back to life in some ways and started praying some of those same prayers. And by the time I got to Christmas last year, six, five, six months ago, um, it, w- it was now, so it was a, it was a, it was a place of I'm being disobedient. I, I, this is what God has called me to do. I don't understand it completely, but I understand enough. I need to have conversations um, and get some outside perspective with leaders here, staff here, which, which I did. And in each of those conversations, it was uh, encouraging and supportive. In fact, it almost, not why, it almost hurt my feelings when I told the staff six months ago because they, some of them were so happy and like somebody said, finally. And I'm like, wait a second, what are you saying to me right now? But they're right. Um, this is, uh, this is, you know, 20 some years for me in ministry. Uh, but I want you to understand this morning, I want to walk you through quickly what sabbatical is not, and it's going to connect to your Sabbath, my sabbatical. So the sabbatical is basically an extended Sabbath. So what it's not and, and what it is and why are big things I, I need us to understand collectively. Um, so first what it's not. It's, sabbatical is not a long vacation, right? There's going to be uh, 14 weeks. There's going to be some vacation into that. I, I have studied and learned um, from some people. There's so much information. God has put pastors in my life. Even in the last few weeks, I met with a guy. We weren't even talking about this. And I said, hey, I'm going to look at the conversation. I, I could talk as a man I could trust. And I said, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Our church doesn't know yet, but I'm announcing in a few weeks and uh, talking about sabbatical and um, I said, have you ever done that? And he's like, oh my goodness, 2016. Uh, he said, I learned so much. And I was like, you didn't happen to write any of that down, did you? And he's like, actually, I trained church planners on how to take a sabbatical, how not to take a sabbatical, how not to drive your wife crazy in a sabbatical. I was like, could you send, he's like, I'm gonna send it all to you today, which he did. It's just such a community. I've learned so much. So, so there's, there's right ways and wrong ways. But the problem is with me in my context, especially I'm thinking of what you might think, the last three years, I've had more pastor friends just be done than ever, like combined my whole life. Like a, some of that's pandemic, some of it's other things. So a lot of times what happens is a pastor is like, man, I don't think I can do this anymore. And then their leaders say, well, hold on, before you just leave, why don't you take a sabbatical? Right, and then, so it's kind of like a last straw. It usually just delays the inevitable. Um, that's not what this is. I'm not, I'm not quitting, I'm not retiring, I'm not dying, right? This is, this is not uh, anything but a beautiful, obedient step. I feel more called to lead Relentless Church than I've ever felt in my life, right? It's, it's a situation, though, where God says, um, because he's the one doing the calling, this is a long-term mission I've given you at Relentless Church. If you'll humble yourself and obey, and this is a part of that obedience to do things how he's called me to do them. So that's what it's not. It's not testing my call or a, a step towards something bad. What is it? Well, for both you and me, I, I want to put four words in your head. These come from Pete Scazzaro, who's 
kind of a pioneer in church health, pastor health, Sabbath health. He has got this incredibly massive goal that before he dies to see the pastor, church, health, culture change and us stop being burnouts because the stats are really, really ugly. I don't know what it is in your occupation, but in in my occupation, 10% of pastors retire as pastors, meaning 90% end up doing another job before they retire because they don't finish. And and, and sometimes God calls you out and I'm not going to speak to anybody's specific situation. I just know there's a lot. So one of his goals is, is is to change that. And part of that is because we don't rest well. So I've learned so much from so many, but a lot of it is from him. A lot of how I'm designing and we're designing my specific sabbatical comes straight from him. So he talks about from all, he studied every uh, Sabbath reference in scripture and, and just an exhaustive year's study. And he published that. And your Sabbath, and this is not about my sabbatical, uh, it's equally about your learning to Sabbath in your life. There's four words that he just keeps coming back to. So I've embraced these and I would love for our church to embrace these. One is stop. That's what what you do. You're talking about, how do I do a Sabbath? This would be stopping. The second word is rest. And it's really logical, but I forget that it's really hard to rest if I don't stop. So you have to stop and then rest, right? And it's not just taking naps, although... Yeah, right, but it's, it's emotional, physical, spiritual, it's rest, it's unplug, it's not scrolling, it's, it's, it's stop, it's rest, it's delight. And this one, man, I could preach a message, um, but I'm not today. You know, some like, oh, I don't wanna rest because I don't know how to do that or I don't trust that things will get done or there'll be more work waiting on me when I'm done, it'll be counterproductive, all that's lies, that's deception, we don't talk enough about the beautiful part. The reason it's a gift to you, Jesus said Sabbath is for you, right? It's not, you don't, Sabbath doesn't own you, you get to make, is because he wired you to delight. So delight is part of your Sabbath rhythm is taking time to find things, activities, walks, novels, movies, TV shows, activity, something that causes your heart to overflow in gratitude to God. Right, and I can get mad at you for you, like that's, that delights, right? But that's, God wired you different, right? Like I was talking to some guys in the church um, and, and they were like, a sabbatical man, you going camping? No, right? <laughs> There's no delight for me. That's like, it might be for you. That might be such delight and I praise God, right, for me. There's no camping, right? That's a, that's a sentence. That's what you do when you're a youth pastor and you have to, right? I don't do that. I did my time on that. So, so it should be fun for you. Don't be so scared. Like this is a gift from God and your life and your heart and your marriage and your peace and your joy is all increased by you resting and trusting God. And part of that Sabbath rhythm is you figuring out what do I do that makes me just overflow with delight in my creator. And then you schedule and spend time and guard that and say no when people try to, well-meaning, try to get in the way of what you, and then the last word is contemplate. That's just thinking about. And you have to stop and rest because our minds, I've I've read a lot of stuff on pastors that, that take sabbatical and they say it takes almost a month to even like quiet enough to hear anything from God. Right, so we're trying to be ahead of that but it's a lot of just listening through scripture, through prayer, but just thinking about the goodness of God, the grace of God, who he says I am, not as a pastor, but just as his son. We want you to start to figure out what that might look like for you as a rhythm. For me, it's gonna be a lot of listening and coming near and just being, and it's gonna be a big part for me is what I'm gonna stop doing. 
which is I'm going to stop pastoring for 14 weeks, which means I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to disciple. I'm not going to have meetings. I'm not going to work on calendar. I'm not going to work on budgets. I'm not going to cast vision. I'm not going to lead staff or staff meetings. I'm not going to come to this building to work. I'm, I'm just going to stop and cease those things. Now, if there are needs, like we have a plan. I'm going to share that with you in a second. But I want you to hear, like, well, what if I need, like, if, if you've been around us long, you already know. Half the time you ask me a question, I got no idea. But somebody does. Like, I'm not running the church. Um, but we're not, obviously, we're not going to take 14 weeks and say, you know, just deal with your life. Like, we have stuff in place that we're going to be able to help and walk with you outside of me, which is healthy for you and healthy for me. Let me, let me get to the, probably the more important question of why. Um, I, don't, I don't know what God knows, obviously. My best guess when we planted this church, and it's stronger today, this is not, this is not guaranteed, we don't do that. My best guess is that Relentless Church is the last church that I'll ever lead pastor right? My best guess is that one day I'd like to be involved with Relentless and it'd be somebody else's turn, but, but this is not a step towards it. Like my best guess is this is where I'm supposed to spend my occupational life in this thing. At this season of our church and my life and our leadership and some things that need to happen that I've gotten in the way of, to be honest, the very best way I can love this church and bless this church is to take a sabbatical both for what that's going to mean in me, my heart, my marriage, my kids, and what it's going to mean and allow for our church and health and leadership going forward. It's a win for me, but it's not just about me. It's a win for us. We've been talking about health. We tried to plant a church that was healthy. We talk about that word all the time. It's really hard. It's easy to say it. It's hard to live it out. This is one of the ways we're living it out. We, like we've talked about, our staff and the, the adoptions, the, the births, the fostering, like there's a lot that's happened in the last six, eight months, right? Nobody on our staff hardly is sleeping well right now. We, we've got to have rhythms. We've got to overcommit. And part of that is this Sabbath and sabbatical. So as of 2022, if you're a full-time staff member at Relentless, sabbatical is not optional. Everybody's going to take sabbatical. Uh, we're on a every seven-year schedule. I'll take another sabbatical in 2029, and it'll be even better than this one. I'll take another sabbatical in 2036, and it'll be better than the first two. After that, man, all bets are off, right? Because 2036, like I'm, I'm old by, by then, right? So, um, so this is a part of what we're going to do and what we're going to bless. It's going to be part of who we are, but not just for staff and people that work here. For, for us as a church, a big part of today, and I'm truly excited about it. If you'll, if you'll go with us here, and maybe you've never thought about it. Maybe you're already like praying through this, which that's awesome if you are. What does Sabbath rest look like in your life? It's a big part of what we're going to be figuring out together. Here's, here's just the real. Most pastors, when they take a sabbatical, I've learned, they have an emphasis. So they might study one book of the scripture. They might, it's something like that's an emphasis. You don't want to over-schedule and over-program. And if you're really like, I want to know what you're doing these 14 weeks. We're going to put stuff on the website. You'll know all you want to know. I'm going to give you all the podcasts and the stuff to help me get. So if you're more, like, well, I can't give you all that today from here. But, but my emphasis as I started praying about that, it was really clear, really quick. My emphasis is to understand Sabbath and what that looks like in my life. Not for these 14 weeks, but when I come back. 
So, so I'm gonna figure out and I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna beg of God and we're gonna have a plan together, me listening, him leading, me following, where after the sabbatical is over, I'm not just gonna be sitting around waiting for 2029, right? How week in, week out, and every week's different, how can I live in obedience to what he's called me to? And that's gonna change me. It's also gonna change you, right? Because this is not about me, this is about us, right? So the problem with me on this subject right now, I like to preach and give you examples and here's what I learned and there's a lot of things I can do that on. This isn't one of them. I can preach theologically all day because I believe it, I've studied it, I've been in it for nine months, like hardcore. I know that we're failing in churches. I know that your life will change. It'll be more joyful and peaceful than you ever realized it could be if you'll step into Sabbath. I know that's true. What I don't have is a message I can preach of how I've lived that in my life. And I don't do that. I cannot preach from a book, from a, hey, this is true, but I'm not doing it. So I'm just being real with you. I've tried to do it and I've failed, right? And this is part of this sabbatical is because I'm doing it on my own strength and I need a reset to really figure out like, what does this look like in my life, in this season, my kids, my wife, all those things. But from that, our hope is that you start establishing what it looks like for you. So I'll ask two things for you. Pray for me. We're gonna have some, some set up people that are praying for Kelly and I through this whole thing, but you can pray for me throughout sabbatical. But also don't wait on me. Don't hear me saying, hey, when I come back in September, then we can talk about Sabbath and figure out how to do, like you, God is in you and he's with you and he loves you. He does not want you to wait for September, right? Start today seeking God. What would Sabbath rest? What is that? Intentional rest as an act of worship that results in a soul refreshment. What does that look like in your life? I can't give this kind of announcement without some obvious questions. So let me run through some questions that some leaders that we've met with in our church and staff, I know that you might be wondering. One, when is this happening and how long is it? It starts June 4th, right? So that is the beginning of my sabbatical. So I'm, I got a couple more. Usually, if, you've been, if you're new with this, I don't usually preach this many weeks in a row. Right, we usually like to freshen it up and hear some other voices, but like I'm going on a 14-week sabbatical, so I was like, I ain't asking anybody to preach because they're going to have a lot to do. So, so I got two more, um, and then my sabbatical will begin. Next question: Are there boundaries we should know about as a church? I'm so glad you asked that. Thank you for asking. That's a big fat yes. There are boundaries. I will. Uh, I will be. Let me answer the next question with that one. Will I be here at all? Yes, I'll be around. I'm not invisible. You're allowed to talk to me right? Don't, don't like ghost me. Don't scarlet letter me. Like I'm a human. I, but what I'm not doing is pastoring. So the boundaries are when you have issues um, or questions. And again, some of you have been around, you know, when you ask me a question, I usually don't know. I have to find somebody, our leaders that knows what you're asking. Um, but don't, yeah, the boundaries are don't treat me like a pastor. Treat me like a first time visitor. So however you would like interact with a first time guest at our church, that's how you should interact with me when I'm here. Now, if you see me out and about in town, like ask me how it's going, right? Don't tell me how your life's falling apart, right? Because that's, that's not for me, not for Ford. Like I'm unplugging from everybody else's life and carrying any of healthy or unhealthy part of that um, to just be with God and work on me and what's going on. Uh, next question, are we taking the summer off? Um, absolutely not. I'm even offended that you asked that. 
Um, we, we are so excited about what God's going to do this summer. This small group we've been doing on Tuesday nights, which is a, a big group that we break into small groups. So we're doing one more this Tuesday, and you, you can join us. You don't even have to sign up unless you're bringing kids. We've got to know they're coming. But it's just been a discussion. The discussion this week will be interesting because we're going to be talking about this message. Um, but it's just beautiful to see God working in that. We've got one more week of that. Then the next week, um, you're talking about summer. Summer, do you see the forecast? It's going to be like 130 degrees this week. So summer's here. Um, a week from Tuesday, it doesn't matter if you came to the small group or not. Everybody's invited. We're meeting out at Lake Benson Park. It's 10 minutes from here. Uh, it's a Tuesday night. It's just fellowship. It's just to meet some people. Some of you, you the, your next step is to know some people you don't know yet because we're a church. We're a community. Um, so that's going to be uh, a fun night. And then, and then going through the summer, we're not, you know, we're not, backing up just because I'm on sabbatical like what would that communicate if we chill as a church because I'm on sabbatical then this isn't the church of Jesus it's the church of David and nobody wants to go to the church of David I promise you that so we're going um full force so so my request my my plea to you would be to not check out in any way right we're going to serve we're going to give if you've been thinking about serving and summer's coming up we need your help like, go ahead and, like, it, it encourages so much when we see those emails go through. We saw one come through last night. Somebody, I'm ready to serve, right? Those, those are, so if you're, if you're on the fence, come on. Keep serving. We're going to see people get saved this summer. Like, what? Like, how, how would you want to miss that? When you show up, you didn't know this, when you show up on Sunday morning, there's people here that aren't sure who Jesus is. Just your presence communicates to them this is important to you, which is, which is part of the, you know, it's a big, it's bigger than you know. When you show up, not just show up, but show up with a heart, not lips in vain like John talked about, but a heart ready to worship. Uh, when you commit this time, right, this, this, is, a big, this is a big deal. So, so stay with us, serve, save, or not save, watch people get saved, get saved if you're not saved, give um, like heart, soul. It's gonna be a beautiful summer, which leads to, to another question of who's gonna preach, right? It's gonna be a no-dud summer. Um, in all the study I've done on sabbatical, it's always been good. It's always, every pastor has said, you know, would, would do it over again a hundred times. The one negative is sometimes churches have like, you know, well, who's going to preach? Because they only had one guy who could preach. So they pull some kid out of seminary who's never preached before and they just make the congregation suffer. You know, sometimes it feels like it's ego thing. Like if I send you some real bad preachers, then you'll miss me a little more, right? That is, we're going the opposite. The reason that I can't not be here this summer, one, I talked to my wife and kids who are in first service. They're like, we don't have to sabbatical, do we? Um, and I was like, I love that you said that. And no, they're serving and they're, they're a part of it. So we'll, we'll be gone some, but they'll be here. And I don't, what am I going to do? Like eat breakfast Sunday morning with my wife and kids and then send them off to church while I do what? Right? So um, I will be around and I want to receive. Like we believe preaching, God works and it's weird, but God works. It's his idea and he he speaks supernaturally to what's going on through flawed people through preaching, and I need to receive that, right? So I'm going to be here for that, but we're not having any dud weeks. So what I did, um, we have our staff, which I'll get to in a second, that will preach, but that's 14 weeks, and they're going to be doing a ton of things they're not normally doing, so I couldn't put 14 weeks on them. So Raph is going to preach uh, a couple weeks to start it, and then he's going to pre preach an incredible church-changing series in August. For seven weeks in the middle... I reached out to some dear brothers of mine and just, I didn't know how it would go and I was so encouraged by their willingness to say yes of like, and they're not doing it, you know, for the money and what we can pay them. Some of them are coming from out of state 
and they're gonna spend more on their plane ticket than we're gonna give them to preach. Um, but they wanted to do it. I want to show you a few of them because you'll recognize, some of you recognize. One is my older brother who has never preached at Relentless. And there's a reason for that because I'm scared of what he might tell you about me. Um, he, is, he is a church planter. He planted a church in Winston-Salem. He knows what church planting is. He's now the Bible teacher chaplain at Winston-Salem Christian. He's coming on Father's Day. He's going to preach one in June and, and one in July. Um, Greg Armstrong, I don't know if any of you know Greg, the most moving church conference on multi-ethnic church that I've ever been to. I sat at a table with Greg and uh, gave him a ride to the airport, and we've been brothers ever since. He's a church planter in Chicago, um, and he's so encouraging. I was like, man, I know it's a long shot, but I just, I'm asking several guys that I trust, and he's like, man, I'm, I'm trying to get to North Carolina anyway for something else. If I can preach on June 26, I can make this happen. I was like, June 26 is yours, brother. So Greg is coming. The week after that, Ed Clemens. Some of you remember Pastor Ed. He was with us at the theater, him and his wife, Yvette, um, kind of were under us till they went and planted a church. He's involved in a great church here in Raleigh. Um, Dean Troon, who I talk about all the time and has also never preached at Relentless. This is my spiritual father. And he'll be here July 24th. He's going to spend some time with me and my wife and our staff. Um, and he'll preach for us that Sunday. And then uh, July 31st, Damon Moore, Pastor Damon, who uh, some of you know from Greenville. He was a pastor in Greenville. There was several families in our church that were under Pastor Damon. He's a church planner in Orlando. And again, he's, a, he's in another state. And I'm like, Damon, man, I'm just asking. No pressure. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to plug these Sundays. And he's like, how many do you want me to preach? And I'm like, Damon, man, you you got your own church. <laughs> like, I'm not offering to come preach for you. I'm on sabbatical. And he's like, I don't, man, I believe in what you're doing and, and I want to bless you and you tell me and I'll make it happen. So he, it's just over and over again. Um, it's been so humbling to see God and people work. So uh, this summer is going to be, you know, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome in a ton of ways. And, and lastly, I'll just leave you with this of, of who's going to lead our church. Uh, Jesus is going to continue to lead our church. He's really good at that. Yeah, you can clap for Jesus. If you don't clap for Jesus, you really can't clap for anybody. Um, but as far as like the day-to-day, -day, like when something that we didn't see coming happens, we got to make a decision. Uh, that's going to be Raph. Raph Gonzalez, our associate pastor, he's going to be preaching quite a bit. Um, he's ready for that. Raph is in the building. Raph, what are you doing? You were here first service, man. You don't have to, that's not, that's hard, man, hear this twice. Um, my, I, my neighbor, my neighbor that's been saying he's going to come to church forever, my old neighbor before we moved, but he's still my friend. And he came to first service. I'm like, really? This is the Sunday of all the Sundays you're going to come when I'm announcing somebody. It's all right. Um, Joy Bay, uh, or I was saying Raph. Raph's going to be the one, um, sorry, let's, 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 let's talk about Raph. There we go. Can't talk about Raph while we're looking at Joy. Um, my bad. So just so you know how this works, this is not, hey, decision comes up and uh, Raph calls me and says, you know, hey, we got this, what do we do? This, this, I'm, I'm, I don't exist as far as that goes. So there's a group of people, it's not Raph by himself, uh, but Raph's the point man and he's gonna be carrying uh, whatever comes, like pray for him because that's gonna be uh, on him for these 14, um, 14 weeks. Uh, Joy. Uh, Bay, we, we told him Joy first service. We got to respect Joy's boundaries. Joy is on maternity leave um, right now. She's here, which because she wants to be, but she's, she's on maternity leave and will be for another month or so. So we got to respect her boundaries. But when she comes back, um, she'll be a key voice as she has always been at leading and helping Raph and, and counseling and taking care of whatever needs um, arise. I fully trust them. Um, Seth, Helfrick, uh, you guys know that he's our worship director. Uh, he's a lot more than that. Um, I've known him known him longer 
than anybody else in this church um, outside my family. Um, I trust him. So he's able, he, he does so much, carries so much, um, but he's able to minister and, and help lead uh, people in the church and whatever comes up. Uh, Takesha Dockery Raglan, our, our kids uh, director, who I call TDR, um, she's been so helpful already. She's walked through sabbatical under a different lead pastor at a different church. Uh, just a lot of wisdom. If you've known Takesha, you know there's a lot in her. So she's going to not just do what she does, but help us in any way that comes up. Um, but it's not just staff. I want to put faces on the screen. I think they're all in the room. Um, but O'Neill Branch, um, his wife, uh, Kim, who's up here a lot, their daughter, Nia, um, second, David Hardy, uh, they're here on the front row, uh, his wife, Kelly, Adam and Caleb, and little Emma, um, and then third, Chauncey Hatcher, um, his wife, Linnea, I can't name all his kids. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I can't. I got this, Aya, uh, Karis, Chauncey, third, Jaden, Jayla. Um, they have, uh, thank you, that's easy, man. <laughs> But if, if you'll show them all, I want you to see this church. When, when you have a need, um, when you have uh, a prayer request, when you have just a question, uh, and we got some, week, some work to do. I'm, I'm not sabbatical till June 4th, so we, we got some stuff we'll share with you in the coming weeks as well. Any of these seven, any of these seven, they may not know the answer, they'll get you to where you need to go. You can go to them, you can ask them, you, we're not gonna, we're not gonna let, there's gonna be people here this summer that never met me, right? People are coming new every week, we love that. You're gonna invite people to Relentless this summer, right? And there's gonna be stuff that comes up and any of these seven people are gonna be able to walk. You're in very good hands, specifically these, these three guys on the bottom row here. We, we've been meeting off and on for a while, um, not just about sabbatical, but about life and about, you know, me not being on an island as a leader, um, and it's been, they have been um, God sent, uh, and they're, they're so ready to, to do and lead more, so, so you can come to them or staff or whoever about whatever, um, as we, you're going to be in, in beautiful, well taken care of hands. Um, three weeks ago, uh, my son Jackson uh, was scheduled to be on slides. There's always somebody back there like making this work, if you didn't know. Lights and slides and tech stuff and he loves it and he's good at it. And, uh, but you gotta be here at 7.30 in the morning when you're on that. And it was Saturday night and I was getting ready to go to bed and some of his friends were wanting to go to Waffle House or something, whatever kids do, you know, these days. And um, I was like, yeah, you, you can go. You, you figure that out. I'm just telling you, man, 7.30 is gonna come early. And we, we, we teach in our house. Like we get ready for Sunday morning on Saturday night. So, if you can be awake and be functional, that's up to you. And he's like, yeah, I'll be fine. And he's young, and he is, and he was. So I don't know what time he came in because I was in bed. But he got up the next morning and, and wasn't too irritable, and we came, and he did it for two services. It was great. And then I had to stay a little extra that day. And I was like, man, I know he's exhausted. Well, finally, we're walking in the car. It's just me and him after church. And uh, he said, you know what, Dad? And I was like, oh, boy, he's going to be like, I, can't, I shouldn't have gone to Waffle House. He said, you know what, Dad? And I said, what? He said, I love this church. And I was like, man, I said, why do you say that? Today, why do you say that? And he's like, it's your preaching, Dad. It's just amazing. He didn't say that. Come on now. <laughs> he did not even think about saying that. Y'all bought that, right? Y'all bought that. He did say, I love this church. I said, well, I said why do you say that? He said, he said it's just the people. You know, he, he, the, the pandemic was super hard on him. If you know Jackson, he just loves being around people. And, and that Sunday, he had seen some people he hadn't seen in a while, and he met some people, right? And he, he, he's like, he can talk to adults, kids, whatever. And he was like, 
exhausted physically, but filled up relationally, emotionally by gospel-centered people like caring about his life. Um, and it was, it was beautiful. And, um, and then he not only had that going on, but he also verbalized it to his dad. And uh, I just want to end with, with amening and seconding what my son said. I love this church. I am confident this sabbatical for me is going to bless me and change me. It's also going to bless you and change our church and get us where God wants us to get. So I'm going to ask you to stand. This ain't goodbye. This ain't a funeral. This ain't retirement. There's no receiving line. I'll preach next week. And I'm just going to pray that you would see God on what this means for you as your own rest and Sabbath. Father, I thank you for your patience. Uh, God, for your patience with me of just, um, just not wanting to really submit to um, Sabbath and rest and sabbatical and, and insecurities and fears and worries of what might, people might think or say. And um, we just thank you for your patience and your goodness. And God, I do pray for each person in this service right now that they would have an honest conversation knowing it could be a thousand things, but they would begin, if they're a college student, uh, if they're a single senior citizen, what, what, that, that they would begin a conversation with you. What would it look like for me to intentionally rest as an act of worship and the result being a refreshment of my soul? That they would trust you with their rest, with their week. Um, and, and we, God, we trust you with our church. I thank you for leaders that you've brought, leaders that you're bringing on that I didn't even have time to talk about. I just thank you for what you're doing and what you've done and what you're gonna do even this summer. God, we thank you for Jesus and we pray and go in his name, amen.